Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. I am full of candy corn. Candy corn. So that's what you ate last night. Well, a little bit. Yeah. And a little bit of other stuff. Right. And, you, know, you know, a little bit of lots other things. Of, so. Lots of candy. <laughs> so you are on record. Collected that dad tax, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So you are on record uh, in the candy corn debate that you like candy corn. Absolutely. Love regular candy corn and the pumpkins are good too. Yes. But the chocolate candy corn is of the devil. Well, I think that's a strong statement, but uh, I don't know if I would say it that way. But it's, it's a perversion of God's grace. It's a bridge too far for me, but uh, that's, okay. you're, you know. I'm a little stronger yeah, on it you've than you have got a very, very clear opinion on that. Um, yeah, I'm a candy corn fan too. Not so much a chocolate candy corn as uh, you said, but other than that, yes. So, But we had a good time yes. here. Uh, learned that there are no trick-or-treaters that come down our street. They all stay on Main Street in Wake Forest, so we have a huge bowl full of candy left, uh, but had a really quiet night. Our kids were at, at friends' houses, so, you know, lots of fun. Nice. Now, what is your favorite candy? Uh, my favorite candy is actually a Canadian candy bar called the Wonder Bar, but they do not sell that here. That's right. So uh, Snickers is kind of my fallback. Okay. So, yes, we do know that you are a Wonder Bar fan. I have slept those across the Canadian border for you in the past. You have. I have a begged lot of... me to do that, I think. That's right. I don't I think have... you begged me. I think I just did it because I'm a good friend. Right. I have a lot of suppliers. One time I was grading for a class here at Southeastern. It was a hybrid, and we had a church planter in the class from Toronto, I think, and I sent him a message and said, uh, I'll bring $10 to the hybrid if you'll bring me Wonder Bars. Um and I think he found that really amusing. But anytime I have friends that go to Canada or from Canada who are visiting, that that's what they bring me. They keep me in good stock. And I, I space them out. I have one in my pantry right now. Still saved. Oh, my goodness gracious. So. That's but, funny. But on a regular, you know, if I can't have a Wonder Bar, I'll take a Snickers. Okay. Peanut butter Snickers, my favorite candy bar. Yeah. So if I, like I had those. to choose one. Yes. I like those. Yeah. So the little squares. Squares of goodness right there. All right, enough candy talk, Amy. We have some meat to get to here in the episode. We have an announcement for SBC president. Somebody is thinking about June in October and November. So I, I guess we can't be upset with this, right? Because you and I, we're, we're always talking about how you got to make plans. Absolutely. People are making plans. Well, H.B. Charles made plans. He knows what he's He gonna, made plans, yes, didn't he? He knows what he will be doing uh, in June 2020. We're recording this on November 1st. He announced yesterday on Twitter that he intends to nominate Albert Moeller for president of the Southern Baptist Convention at the annual meeting in June. So uh, it's a, this is a lot earlier than normal. We have had discussions about this even earlier than this, but this is pretty rare to be the fall before. Yes. Usually we see it in February, March, those kind of time frames. Right. And I doubt we'll see anything else before then. I could be surprised and somebody else could jump in uh, for this or any of the other spots. But usually we see those nomination announcements, you know, February, March. There's nothing yet on Baptist Press. We're working to get something up there. Kind of caught everybody by surprise. Right. So uh, we are working on getting a story to that because I know some people had reached out yesterday asking if we were going to do something or where the story is and everything like that. Well, hey, 
we were just as surprised as most of you. So we we saw it with everybody <laughs> so, yeah. else. Which you know they don't uh, people who nominate do not have to do it. Do not have to announce through Baptist Press. They can come no. up on the stage at the last minute, right yeah. before nominations. Everybody's got up until the last day in June, and that's the beauty of our process. So when something happens like this, it's just kind of new and interesting, and uh, it was definitely the talk of the day. Yes, that and. First Baptist Naples, another thing uh, yes. that was highly discussed yesterday. Uh, again, there's not a story yet on Baptist Press. We're working on something about this, but we did tweet something out. If you did see that late on Thursday night about the pastor search committee and uh, some of the things that they're doing at First Baptist Naples, I know that's something that a lot of people have been talking about with Marcus Hayes and the vote down there at First Baptist Naples. So they released something on Thursday night. We'll link to that as well here on the podcast. So yeah, Thursday, quite a busy day. Things coming out of uh, out of nowhere for us here, and uh, just kind of read and react, Amy. You got to keep your head on the swivel. Yes, lots of stuff going on. Yep. So, and a lot of things going on at the executive committee. A couple of staff retirement announcements this week. Dr. Ken Weathersby and Dr. Singh Oldham both announced their coming retirements. Yes. So Ken Weathersby has been vice president for convention advancement since 2013. Um, He was the first African-American to hold an EC vice presidential position, and he actually had held several leadership roles at NAM, um, associate vice president for multi-ethnic mobilization, vice president for the church planting group. He's really done a lot throughout the denomination, including first African-American pastor to hold a full-time associate professorship at New Orleans. So really involved in the SBC over his career. Uh, At the executive committee, what he has focused on is increasing ethnic participation and growing relationships with demographic subsets in the SBC, like bivocational pastors, small church pastors, young leaders, things like that. He's retiring due to a medical disability that causes visual impairment and has really done a lot in the area of convention advancement. And then the other one is uh, Dr. Singh Oldham, Vice President for Convention Relations, who has been at the Executive Committee since 2007 after pastoring First Baptist Church in Martin, Tennessee. But, Amy, there's some other news. With the announcement of Ken leaving, a lot of people had asked, well, what about the the diversity angle? Because Ken had been kind of stewarding that in the Office of the Advancement. So we have three new positions that we announced this week. Right. That are going to help us serve more diverse churches. Uh, These are three positions, executive director of African-American, Asian-American, and Hispanic relations and mobilization. So three different positions focusing in really three different areas. And that's just building upon the work that Ken Weathersby has done through the Convention Advancement Advisory Council and all of the different councils that make that up to turn around and recognize we have a growing number of non-Anglo congregations in the Southern Baptist Convention and non-Anglo church plants, brand new ones. So we need to expand our efforts to connect with all Southern Baptists. Last year, we had 62% of churches planted in the Southern Baptist Convention were non-Anglo. So uh, quite a few, and more than 100 churches last year were Hispanic that were planted. So a lot of Hispanic church plants, a lot of growth in that. We've seen the growth that's come uh, from that and from the different councils that, that Ken has worked with over the years, the, the Asian American Council, the, the National African American Fellowship uh, a lot of these different subset groups, well, they'll actually have you know somebody at the executive committee helping them with mobilization and growth, as well as uh, providing guidance and leadership in those areas to help them 
in the Southern Baptist Convention. So I, I'm excited about this. I, I love the plan here by Dr. Floyd to to really raise these up, especially these three subsets of Hispanics, African-Americans, and Asian-Americans. So uh, we're seeing a lot of growth in those areas in the SBC, and it's exciting to see where that is headed in the future. Speaking of uh, kind of partnerships with Asian-Americans, Gateway Seminary entered into a five-year partnership with a Korean seminary. Korea Baptist Theological Seminary, which is in Daejeon, South Korea, and uh, has signed a memorandum of understanding with Gateway, and it establishes a five-year partnership between the two schools. And what will happen is students can study abroad in individual or group settings, so that students in good standing at either institution can go to the partner school at a reduced tuition cost, also have their international study experiences from both places, you know, so kind of an exchange program, essentially. And Gateway already has a really strong Korean student presence. So this is a good partnership for them. It really fits what they're doing out there in California. So congratulations to Dr. Orge and the entire leadership at Gateway uh, for this partnership. And now, Amy, up to New England, where the New Hampshire Baptist Association has kind of disbanded and, and folded in to the Baptist Convention of New England. Right. So this is not the first association up there to do this. They have had three other local Baptist associations who have really essentially done a merger with the Baptist Convention of New England. So it is a plan that the BCNE put out that's titled Uniting New England Baptist. And so it's it's something that they initiated to combine assets of smaller Baptist associations with the state convention to help provide more resources uh, for the churches there. And essentially what they do is the association itself dissolves, but all the assets get reinvested. It kind of allows the state convention to handle all the administrative work, but then the associational mission strategists have the option to be hired by BCNE and continue doing what they've been doing, ministering directly to the pastors in their region, to the churches there. So it just allows for kind of a streamlined, different process. And this is not the first time that this has happened. There are a number of states that have maybe some regional presences as opposed to a local association type model. And I think up in, and I think in New England, this is something that could work. Now, not all of the local associations are doing this. What the Baptist Convention of New England has done is to offer this as an option. And then if associations choose not to, uh, then they still will will have kind of continued relationship as they have had before. But this is just a, a pathway to offer some more support. And so now four associations have decided to do it. Yeah. And like you said, it, it takes the administrative burden off the AMS and lets him focus on ministry. So you, you've got ministry focus instead of administrative focus, and the, the, the basically the guys at the home base, so to speak, at the BCNE can focus on the administrative uh, needs and duties that that calls for. So uh, very helpful to the churches and uh, to the state convention, because that state convention, I think, is six different states, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts. I'm going to trust you on that. There may be somebody else in there, but I, I, I'm pretty sure those six states are all involved. New York has its own, and then Jersey and Pennsylvania and everything below, they're all kind of their own things. So yes, um, everybody else has their own either combined or individual state conventions. So uh, that that is exciting to see up there in New England. A lot of things going on. Terry Dorsett uh, kind of being really innovative up there. There's a lot of different 
things going on in New England and exciting to see what Terry and the staff up there in New England are doing to help churches in that region. Uh, over to New Mexico, Amy, it's state convention time again. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about the, the big story from the New Mexico state convention. That was Joe Bunce announcing his retirement. We talked about that last week, uh, but this week we have the full recap from the New Mexico Baptist State Convention. They had 242 messengers and 79 guests from 93 of their 338 churches in attendance. And uh, like we said, Bunce announced his retirement. That was the big news of the session. They also approved a budget of $4.7 million, which just a, a hair less, about $124,000 than the previous year. And they're staying at 29% passed on to the cooperative program. And another big thing that they did there, they held one of the sessions over at the Children's Home in New Mexico. It celebrated its 100th anniversary, Amy. Yeah, the centennial of the New Mexico Baptist Children's Home. And so what a great opportunity to hold a session over there so that they could see the work. Um, so a lot to a lot to celebrate. That was about 23 miles south of Clovis, and they had the Wednesday morning session there uh, with the annual sermon and and some other things. Also, reelected Jared Bridge, pastor of Anchor Church in Albuquerque, was reelected as convention president. Bo Lamb from First Baptist Church in Santa Rosa, first vice president, and good friend of the pod, Matt Hensley from Mayhill Baptist Church. What are they thinking? In Mayhill, elected. What are they thinking? Second vice president of the New Mexico convention. Matt's a good friend. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm kidding. And Matt's also a, good a friend, podcast so host. Congratulations to All, him. A, a and also podcast a podcast host. host. Yes. And we've actually, we've actually uh, interviewed him and Kyle on the CP stage. Yes, we at have. At the annual meeting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, congratulations to Matt and the rest of the officers out there in New Mexico. Over to California, Amy, where they uh, they decreased their CP percentage by 5%. They had 410 messengers and 100 guests at the annual meeting. Uh, they passed a budget of $10.56 million for 2020, which included a $6.425 million CP objective. So uh, they're planning on that uh, as their CP amount. The rest of it is from other sources. Uh, but they dropped that down from 35 to 30% in the CP that's passed on uh, because of some deficit spending related to Genes Park, which is a camp and conference center up in Northern California. So they're, they're trying to get that to be financially stable. Uh, they've had to cut about a million dollars in their budget the past couple of years while CP giving has been flat for about the last decade. So uh, they're, they're trying to balance that budget. So they had to cut that CP percentage to, to be able to balance that and provide the funding that's needed for Genesis Park. Their intent is to return that to 35% after just a couple of years once that is solvent. So uh, they also did some redistribution and reorganization of their executive board, dropped that from 40 to 28 uh, none of the regions really lost representation, but uh, they did reduce that to 28 members of the board and reelected by acclamation first vice president Josh Sanchez, as well as president Sean Beatty uh, out there in California. All right. So a lot of a lot of state conventions in the West and uh, we, we've got new ones that are coming up in just a week and a half. They'll be over here. I will be in Virginia and North Carolina this way. Yeah. And, and I was uh, at the SBTC meeting this past week. Yes, you uh, were. We don't have a report from that. So uh, I, I saw a picture. I, I saw a picture. You weren't just there. You were you were on stage. I was on stage at a breakfast, Amy, in the fellowship hall. I wasn't well, on the stage. it was stage. something. It was something. Yeah. 
Yeah. First time I've had to do that. That was my first public representation of the executive committee. How was it? It was fine. It I had bet, food, so I was good with it. I bet you so. did a great job. But Odessa was dark and cold and rainy. It was okay. I it don't was not what that. I expected when I went to West Texas. Not what you expect in Texas, but all right. No, it was not at all. So, yeah, it was fun, though. We had a good time. Saw a lot of good friends out there in Texas. Met a few new people. And uh, so appreciate the SBTC for their hospitality and Southwestern for letting me uh, be a part of their breakfast for the yes. alumni and friends. All right, Amy, uh, I got a little uh, odd note this week. Mm -hmm. There was an audit at a state convention earlier in the month, and it revealed that a couple of mission offering gifts had been transposed. Yes. So instead of sending $823,222.01, don't forget that one cent, That's right. to Lottie Moon, it got marked as Annie Armstrong. Yes. And a $156,748.05, don't forget the nickel, yeah. got sent to Lottie Moon instead of Annie Armstrong. So those right. two things had to be switched. Yes. So which meant for yeah. a tough call with Nam and a great call with IMB, I guess. Yeah. Nam Nam was kind of upset about this. They just had $666,473.96 taken away from their budget. And but that $666,000 and change went to the IMB budget. So uh just yes. one of these things that Gets missed in a in a regular thing, but gets caught in an audit. Thankfully, that's why right. we have auditors. That's right. Uh, but got that yep. sorted out. So, they, but the good thing here is the good thing. Any offering is still the largest on record, Amy. Yeah. So then that would have been that would have been unfortunate if it had changed the record because there had been a lot yes. of celebration and stuff. But it still does not change the record. Still the highest on record. Um, and then now the Lottie Moon offering the totals are now one hundred fifty seven point three million, uh, and then Annie Armstrong is sixty one point four million. So great news, and all of it still going to missions. Just kind of making sure it's allocated in the right direction and the right designation for the people who sent it in so yeah yeah it's like sending your power bill to the water company and your water bill to the power company and then realizing it later i did that one time oh and okay. i didn't have to i didn't have to pay a water bill for a few months because i had a huge balance i guess so but <laughs> the, the power company bill. said we're gonna turn your lights yeah. off the power company was like Ahem, sir can we have a little <laughs> let's more let's have a chat yeah yes nicely done so I had to fix that. But yeah, I didn't have to pay that water bill for about four months. There you <laughs> go. Funny. So yeah. All right. Well, that's the news for this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1976 uh, to a story that is down. Uh, it's about the third story in Baptist Press from November 2nd. I'm kind of surprised I've never noticed this one before. And when I'm digging around, but it was about an incident that happened at uh, First Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, there was a pastor, Warren Haltgren, who had written an article in his church paper on disturbances in the services. So he had done that like six years before in 1970. Well, he is preaching on Sunday morning, October 31st. It's on Halloween. And uh, they, they were on television. That, so they had a television ministry. He started his, it says he started his televised sermon and a person costumed in women's clothing walked down a side aisle and approached the pulpit and he was trying to talk. Wait, wait, and, hold on. Yes. What? Just let Run me keep, by me again. Let me, let me keep going. You're, yeah. 
So okay. a person costumed in women's clothing, it's on Halloween morning, walked down a side aisle, approached the pulpit. He's trying to preach, and the intruder, who turned out to be a six-foot, two-inch, 190-pound man, shouted into the microphone, I want to tell you the world is coming to an end. And he stayed calm. Pastor stayed calm, said, I'm sure that's true. And I, I mean, that's, that's a good way to answer it. Then it said, but then the man, I'm just going to read it. But then the man wearing a woman's floppy hat, heavy makeup, and a dress pulled a pistol from from his purse. So then the ch- oh. the so then the minister of activities he said this this said Grady Lowry, the church's minister of activities, who keeps in shape in the church's Christian Life Center. So I think that means Grady is a strong man. Uh, he and about five other men jumped the guy, wrestled him off the platform. And uh, then they arrested him, booked him, and it turned out it was a blank. It was a blank pistol. Really was not. But and then it says the suspect was reattired in jeans and shirt found in his purse before he was put into a cell with other inmates. Um, and so it, it so it said that the article that had been written in 1970, the pastor said, I personally try not to be too disturbed by these or other disturbances. The fact of the matter is that there should be more sympathy than horror. And so he did the exact same thing. He he just kind of responded that way. They wrestled the guy, got him off the stage. Um, the pastor said a few things about disturbances in the services. And then he proceeded to preach his planned sermon titled The Story of a Haunted House. Making the point that unless people strive for good input into their lives, evil will creep in. And the service ended with a couple and their three children joining the church by transfer of membership. So, all kind of tied up in a bow. Um, But I just found it interesting. And I don't even know how to... Usually I have this nice little segue that says, oh, we're doing this and we were doing it, you know, whatever. But Halloween, it was this week. We had all, all kinds of things. Another church... Was we'll just say having a very interesting service on their own in 1976, this week in SBC history. We were wrestling costumed gunmen to the ground this week in SBC history. Yes. Yes, we were. So, yeah. really fascinating. Okay. On television. Wow. I would love, wouldn't it be fascinating on if TV. somewhere in Tulsa, some, you know, TV station Somebody's has a, got this a tape, tape of that. Yeah. Somewhere. There's got to be. Oh wow! So anyway, when wow. I saw that, that's fa- I thought that's fascinating. Well, I can't, I can't miss out on that. That is just wow, weird. Yes. Okay. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is new book by Robbie Gallaty. Recovered: How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. So this is kind of a uh, a memoir of. Robbie Gallaty's testimony. He is the senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, uh, right over there, not far from you. And uh, this this is a story. His testimony has been something that's been talked about quite a bit, but I don't think it's ever been written in a book. And I saw that that a copy came for me. Some uh, I got a picture. Christy Peters there sent me a picture that a copy came for me to the building, and it was in kind of a like, I don't know, it was police tape or it was, it was like evidence. It was like an evidentiary envelope set up because a lot of his story uh, kind of plays into some of those images. They did something similar with that a few years ago with the billboards here in town. Uh, Like, I think it was his first year at Long Hollow. Yeah. They they did something like this and and they used, he used that testimony and we actually went up there because 
we had, you know, it was a Saturday service or something and we didn't have anything. And Easter is always a crazy time for us at, at the church. And we were living nearby at the time uh, on the, the east side of town. So just pop, popped up over to Gallatin and, and went there and, uh, and saw that just to, to see what the church was like and it heard his testimony. And that was really neat. So, yeah. All right. Well, my resource of the week is actually a story in Baptist Press that ran this week about a deacon in Oklahoma mm-hmm. who has Down syndrome. Just a fascinating story uh, of, a, of a church member who'd come up to the pastor and said, hey, I want to be a deacon. God has laid this on my heart. And just the pastor's response to that and how he's like, hey, he meets all the qualifications. And so they ordained him as a deacon. So he helps the church and just does his thing. And just a fascinating little story. I encourage you to read that uh, up at First Baptist Church of India Homa up in Oklahoma. So just a, a really neat story of, of Deacon Barry Asenap. I love that. And the way this story is written is uh, it's it's really beautiful. And they had said so they had an ordination council. He brought his testimony before the church and really serves as a, a servant, church sergeant at arms, all of that. That's what deacons are supposed to be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're there and to so serve. It's, so this is, a, yeah, it really is a great story. So we'll have the link there and everyone should read it. And in a strange little coincidence, I've got a meeting on Wednesday night to uh, a deacon interview at my church. Oh, you're so, going to be a deacon? Maybe. They got to prove me first, Amy. Well, that's great. So we'll see. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. All right. That's going to do it for our news this week. I'll be at the Ohio Baptist State Convention this coming week. And you're headed to Texas, right? I am next week. So I'm on an advisory council for the Heart of Texas Foundation and uh, we'll be visiting down there for a couple of days and excited about that and coming back. And then I'm headed, come back next Saturday and on Sunday night, head up to Roanoke for uh, the SBCV on Monday and then to Greensboro for North Carolina on Tuesday. So, All right. Well, that's very cool. So if you're in Ohio or are going to be at the Ohio State Baptist Convention meeting, say hello. I'll be up there with Dr. Floyd. He's uh, on a lunch panel on Tuesday as well. So uh, we'll be around a lot of the day on Monday evening and Tuesday. So should be a fun trip. Uh, I'll always enjoy going up to Cincinnati in that area. So maybe I'll be able to find some Skyline Chili, Amy. Oh, yes. It's been it's been a long time since I've had Skyline Chili, but it's great stuff. Yes, it is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>